Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 289 of Live Radio, the show that likes to talk about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Commander Phoenix Sophia, head of archives at Live Station, otherwise known as Colin Ford, and joining me in the Orange Sidewinder bar for this episode, we have our Chief Bar Steward, Grant Psychocal Wilcock. Good evening. We have our Deputy Trade Attaché, Commander Souverine. What up? We have our Head of Health and Safety, Ben Mosswoodwood, otherwise known as Commander Edlevice. I've just found out we've got the Freedom Class Survey Vessel selling mysterious green produce that it seems to be growing in orbital warehouses here. I'm not sure it's entirely legal. Uh-huh. And supplying uh, materials for that uh, that. Uh, megaship will be our Inhuman Resources Director, Commander Shan. Hello. You mean they're made out of crewmen? I'm, 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 I can't say for certain. Well where, do you think, well, where do you think all the crewmen go from decommissioned carriers? They, they become seamen. And that's oh. what is why a certain faction might have saw you in white. <laughs> I, I see we've gone straight right down within the first five minutes. <laughs> it's always nice to know. <laughs> Sobering straight for the semen, right? Away. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Um, <laughs> I apologise for this because we're embarrassing ourselves against the man with the most gravelly voice we ever know, and that is uh, Obsidian Ant. Hello Welcome. I'm Hi. sorry to, to bring you to this this horrible, okay. low-level yeah. depth. It's, it's no worse than, the, than I'm used to. Amazing. <laughs> well, that's gravelly. I'm saying too, much, too much. much here, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I would definitely say Ant is more smooth like butter rather than rough like gravel, but maybe that's just me. <laughs> like chocolate. <laughs> like, okay. like a bar of galaxy. So, like um, a melted, yeah. folded Mars bar. <laughs> 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 okay, so it is insult the guest week. So uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Yes. So if you'd like to uh, join us, we are in the game live somewhere. Um, uh, ben, I think you're... you're I, I am literally at that freedom place, and there's also a... Oh, God. Dionysus, Dionysus maybe? Class agricultural vessel. So, yeah, the, the, some people are definitely basically packed up shop, came over to lave... Mm-hmm. And they're now growing illicit horticultural things Items. in our system. I see. So the onion head farmers are visiting then. That's what it seems like to me. Uh, so um, if you can't get to us in game, you can also join us in the Twitch chat channel, which you can access through laveradio.com slash live on click on the live chat or go straight to twitch.tv slash laveradio. Um, so hello to everybody in the um, uh, Twitch channel. I have to be very careful not to take on Ben's pronunciation, otherwise um, we'll probably get struck off. So <laughs> uh, moving on from that, let's go around um, the group, see how we're all handling, um, yes, 
lockdown life. So, um, Grant, how have you been for the last week? Isolated. Yeah, it's been fine. <laughs> As my brother says, I like my company. I'm awesome. Fuck y'all. <laughs> Today I went shopping. I saw some amazing things. I love it because you know people are out there with bin bags t- taped to their faces and you know vacuum tubes shoved up nostrils to try and keep themselves safe. And it's just brilliant. It's I mean you know um, it's uh, one of these things I, I learned last week. Um, actually, listening to LBC was that um, the Chinese mask wearing is not about protecting themselves. It's about not spreading viruses to others. So that's their their kind of motive behind it. So actually, when they come over here wearing face masks, it's, it's, it's a mark of respect and you shouldn't look at them thinking, I don't smell like fart. Well, I do, but <laughs> there's no need to make it so obvious. Um, so, yeah, but I, I was <laughs> sort of at the supermarkets and these guys are doing an amazing job. Although every time you go to a supermarket, the rules have changed somewhat and you've got to try and work out, am I allowed to come in? Do I have to hop in one leg? Do I have to go through the, <laughs> the sort of qualification and um, sort of assault course that you have to to get in, you know, where you've got to go down the left hand side over six boxes, then you've got to make a way through the toilet roll fort, and then you can get into the grocery section, uh, and then you have to take out two pensioners, uh, and uh, before you can get through Does to that the buy fresh meats. On them? No, God, no, no, no. That that would be that would be crass. No, I I just mean you know trying to get a stick of celery wedged in the Zimmer frames. Um, it's Cow, in your supermarkets, yeah? your supermarket, when you go in there, do they look at you as if you are about to murder them? No, you know, I, if you I get have... too close, they're kind of mentally measuring the distance. <laughs> I take oh, a two no. meter stick with me. Got eleven, get yeah. away! I mean, it is. I mean, it's, you know, there are these people that made mistakes. So they put the markers on the floor showing you the two meter gap from the checkouts and two meter segments, and they've they've been very good at not having two checkouts that are too close to each other open at one time. They're doing a fantastic job. You cannot compliment these people more, and they must get a whole pile of abuse. I've spoken to an awful lot of them, and I go out of my way to make sure that I have a wee chat with everyone because frankly it's the only conversation I'm going to get in a week Um, and then I saw this woman going by and she clearly got some face protection Um, but well when I say it I noticed it because I thought has that woman got a beard Um, but it turned out it was a face mask but it only covered her mouth she had her nose over the top of it and I just thought oh dear bless oh uh, that's doing you absolutely no good. Um, never mind, just carry on. Uh, and that's what I mean. You see all these makeshift devices. I'm just going to go in with my pants over my head. One, that guarantees people are going to keep a two-meter distance from you, probably more. And if you make them dirty pants, you can get a five-meter gap, and that's it, and it's brilliant. <laughs> so, yes, surviving, surviving. I was giving someone advice on how to survive the boredom, and the reason and the answer to surviving boredom is never complete any tasks. One, it gives you something to feel bad about, and that can waste hours as you sit there lamenting about how you never finished the job. And then you can start worrying about how you're going to start the job, but then never freaking start it. Just keep holding it off. It will always be there tomorrow, and you can keep this that going for from months. Years, uh, even, wow, if, if you, you perfect them. <laughs> now, if you're going to wear underpants, make sure they're the flag of St. George underpants. <laughs> Up here? 
that would. I'm not yeah. sure. I mean, I'm not sure that that would make much difference. Pants is pants, and anyone with pants on their face, whether oh. they happen to be, you know. Oh, I'm just. Oh. I'm just wondering. Actually, is pants pants? Because you know, you got your traditional tighty whities with or without skid marks, or oh, you, you could wear your trunk. You could wear trunks, or you've got like the traditional bo- boxes where everything hangs free. Speedos. <laughs> Oh, speedos! No, I, I, I would speedos. You'd yeah, suffocate. Swimming trunks. <laughs> you'd look speedos like some kind of really human good. human frog hybrid. Every time you breathed out, your cheeks would puff out. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. really, Other than really that, nothing else. To regret asking this question. <laughs> Other than this, nothing else is going on. Um, I make I've been making some bread now, but now I can't get any more flour. So that's my bread making mm. days over. But um, other than that, there's plenty of food in the shelves and you just, you know, have to pick your times, go out as little as possible. I still think, I think, you know, we're beginning to get to that point that they feared would happen where people are are bored of it and therefore they're just no longer sticking to it at all, um, which is a sad thing to see. But um, the majority of them are still maintaining. I mean, it's great. It's like now there's an excuse for people walking away from me. I don't feel so bad. Oh, they're just social distancing. It doesn't mean they think <laughs> I'm an arsehole. Um, so yeah, there's been it's been fun. I've been I've been okay. Everyone's fine. All our families are well. Our friends and relatives have all managed to avoid uh, this so far. So so far so good. And I hope uh, everyone out there that you are having a similar t- time of it too. That everyone is safe and happy and well. There you go. Well, and on that pant-related bombshell, I'll quickly run over to Souverine. Are you going to be pant-related? Uh, my week has been complete, not really to do with pants at all, actually. Sadly. Oh, that, that's 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 something. You heard it here first. Souverine is commando. Uh, well, I mean, I tend to spend most of my day in running kit, and then I go for a run around the park, and then I generally change directly into loungewear or pyjamas so uh, <laughs> god this got weird didn't it <laughs> this got really weird uh, so, if you were to wear pants over your head what sort of pants would they be and would you need would you need to use this meg hammer to make sure they're flexible enough to put them over your head no actually i, I my, mine are pretty um uh i i, I have a, a suite of um of outrageous boxer shorts um with various humorous objects on them um and um, like what like lobsters small boats bicycles fish ducks uh bees uh what else you name it i've got a pair of boxer shorts covered in them um no leopard skin ones no not no leopard skin ones sadly although i would definitely be in the market for a pair um so if any listeners are feeling generous Paul Archer on the chat has now just made the observation that that isolation is really affecting the Lave Radio crew. <laughs> yeah, not yeah, it really is. No half of it. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, if I was to wear a, some boxes over my head, they would probably be, um, probably be the bee, the, the ones with bees on them. Uh, they're they're very good. Um, but the problem is that they probably wouldn't deter. Um, they probably wouldn't deter people. I mean, you know what? Like, I live in quite a quite a heavily populated area. Um, you know, the women around here, they're only human. If I was to walk down the street wearing my dashing boxer shorts in such an outrageous way, who could blame them for just leaping upon me? Um, I see so, the isolations um, turn to delusion as well, then. <laughs> uh, I mean, in terms of news, I've got literally nothing to report at all. Uh, well, I do have one fun thing to report, and this is, this is really weird. Um, I've been playing through um, 
so EA did a big sale, uh, did a big "You're all locked in your houses" sale, uh, mm-hmm. and um, uh, some some mates and I picked up Anthem for seven pounds, and um, we've been really, really enjoying it. We've been playing it. Um, we've been playing it in the evenings and finding that we're, you know, it'll get to one a.m. and we're like, oh, we're still playing Anthem. Um, it, it just completely hooked us. We've, we've clocked like twenty five hours and about a week into it. Um, and I swear I've never played a more underrated game. Like it is, it's super weird. The whole thing feels like this unholy, sort of poorly thought through marriage between a story driven RPG and a and a lowest common denominator looter shooter. Um, but fuck me, is it good fun? It's so much fun. The story, like the characters, are really good, and the, like the gameplay, flying around in a robot suit is revolutionary. Like I genuinely think that people will be talking about them as that, as as that, like weird shit game that first introduced flying um because oh, geez, it's so Man. much fun yeah exactly yeah yeah so um anyway i think the last day of the ea sale is today so if you want to be if you want to be surprised pick up anthem it's not as shit as we've been led to believe <laughs> that's <laughs> that a real cool. endorsement isn't it yeah it's not a... it's not as shit as cow's pants so there you go <laughs> <laughs> two thumbs up no yeah, no yeah. ben shush Two thumbs up, yeah. <laughs> up, 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 nowhere. Up, up, house pants. <laughs> oh, I was trying to stop Ben, but Sean had to slide in there, didn't he? Slide in where? <laughs> Cow's pants. <laughs> thumbs extended. <laughs> uh, right, Sean. Um, what have you been doing? <laughs> Apart from trying to make guest appearances on radio, on the radio, um, in game I have um, I, I hit a bit of a landmark today in terms of um, elite, if you like, um, stats. Oh, you can't I crew members anymore. Well, you can't. But apparently, my my total crew pay uh, this week broke the twenty billion mark. <laughs> <laughs> Your total crew pay is. Only slightly uh, is only slightly no my my net worth is only slightly more than ten percent of the amount that you've paid your crew in the entire history of the game. Yes, anyway, I, that that was quite a good achievement. I thought I was quite pleased about that. Um, out of game, I don't think I've got cabin fever. Although apparently I was allegedly on LBC uh, this week, which wasn't me at all. So sorry if you were hoping. To say yes for that. Uh, let's see going on. Um, youngest Mini Shan has been fully trained and is now delivering um, COVID nineteen tests to NHS people and police and things like that. So he's been out and about around the country with testing kits, doing his bit. So he's officially classed as being on operations. Ooh. So um, yeah, so really pleased what he's doing there. Um, so yay, doing well. Um, what else is going on? Nothing. Oh, I finished Doom Eternal, by the way. I managed to spend some time doing that. I haven't got all these secrets and stuff. I just played through it. But yeah, I enjoyed Doom Eternal. It was a good. Excellent. Uh, ben, how have you been for the last week or so? Yeah, I've been awesome, actually. I've been uh, playing lots with my family and my son and things like that, um, brother in law. Cousins, nephews, no, not cousins, nephews, that's the word. 
Um, so that we've been playing all of COD basically with that uh, with them. Um, work's been pretty much same as normal for me, so that's fine. Um, I yes. thought, um, oh, the, I, I knew that there was something pants so pants related. I was going to say that. Oh. You know, I have actually. I will admit that I have actually specifically bought a pair of underwear designed to be seen, but not for my head. Um, they're not yellow uh, ones. Not, they're not fluorescent yellow ones. No, um, but no, no, I, no, I very deliberately. Um, I mean, Colin Grant. Well, Colin, you're a Scot in England, and what yes. happens to Scottish people when they're out at gigs? Wearing their kilts in England. There are wandering hands. There are wandering hands and wandering eyes. But you're not allowed out, Ben. So if you well, not at the moment. Bag, I'm not. Well, I'm just saying. Do your do your hands wander to yourself then to kind of mimic it when you're listening to um, music in your room? No. <laughs> uh, but I did deliberately, you know, aware of the situation of where I was going to be putting myself in. I did deliberately get something that would at least give people a giggle. You see, when you and say that, did. when you say that, Ben, it reminds me of the old Carry On film, Carry On at the Kyber. You know where they all. Mm-hmm. So I thought you were yes. bringing pants to uh, mimic that scene. Ah, what <laughs> the first foot and mouth strikes again. <laughs> Ah, uh, well... Uh, I, I do feel that. this is showing more about Shan than me, I think, now. <laughs> well, moving on from there, um, welcome, Obsidian, and I do apologise about the um, quality <laughs> of the conversation so far. How have you been for the last week or so, then? Yeah, I've been good. I think Psycho Cow is absolutely spot on about uh, making a habit of not completing jobs. It's It's the way I normally do things. I've been like that for years and years, but it don't hold any water anymore. I'm not allowed to get away with it. <laughs> locked inside and now I'm having to fix fences and do decorating and all the rest of it. But yes. yeah, so there's been that. Um, <clears throat> game related, I've been playing Final Fantasy VII, the remake. Oh, jealous. Very, I very am good. so jealous. Very, very good. Um, I actually got my daughter into it as well. She's 13. She's never really been into Final Fantasy, but she just, she, she loves anime and she loves these characters. She watched me play it for the first half hour or so and just kind of fell in love with it. So yeah. went off and played it on her own. I think she's kind of near the end. She's oh. faster than me already. So I'm trying to avoid spoilers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in, in a lead with the, um, with the old fleet carriers, I thought I'd take one out to one of the nebula. Uh-huh. One of my favourite Nebula is Bernard's Loop. I just yeah. love the combination of Nebula out there. I thought, take the carrier out, out over there, uh, found some extra fuel to load it up with, and had to shift some over to the uh, from the cargo hold to the fuel tank. I mean, it's not, not too much effort to get out that way, but we got out that way and parked up right next door to the Horsehead Nebula and uh, exit the, the hangar bay, only to find out that the Horsehead Nebula was gone. didn't exist. It was there oh. on the galaxy map, and it's just, it's just not there. Is that because it's they gone. changed the seed? It could be. I, I don't know, but um, maybe God didn't pay his upkeep, and it got decommissioned. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we need to speak to to K about this. I believe decommissioned in the hotel. Yeah. <laughs> 
So yeah, I'm trying to wonder what that's about. Um, normally, I would yeah. think. I'm assuming you put a bug report in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just I thought things like that normally happen only if it's touched. But then again, who knows with with game? Code. Maybe it's maybe it's a graphical error because I, I know sometimes it takes a while for the sky to render in full. No, no, I've. Was there eight quite a while just looking around and flying around and jumping in and out, loading it in again, completely gone. Well, I do know that everybody got quite upset because uh, the main place where everyone goes for their low uh, temperature diamonds disappeared in the beta. Oh, boring. Yeah, Yeah. that it turned and um, Dav explained, well, that we've had to change the seed. So that means that um, some of the places which you're used to won't be there. It doesn't mean to say the triple hotspots have gone. They've just moved. Oh, well, they've, they've certainly come from where they were. So. I, um, I heard that uh, after that, I'm, I, I might be wrong on this, but I heard somebody, uh, I think in one of the interviews that the devs did after ours, I think they said that they might reinstate the triple, the triple hotspot. Like, citation needed. That's secondhand from a friend of mine who said that when I said, oh, by the way, Boran's gone. He was like, oh, I, I heard them say that they were going to make sure it was there. Um, and I think he, in, he intimated that, that, that the, the interview that came from was after ours. So it would be worth looking into that and just getting clarification on it. Well, my understanding of that was that because they've added a new um, material in there, a new mineral, it's basically okay. caused the, the, that part of the game to have to regenerate procedurally. That's so basically, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's the, what they told us as well. Yeah, everything just got to be recreated so it's all going to be in different places it's not exactly the end of the world of things get shifted around anyway is it no i think there is virtue to i think um uh it would make sense for frontier to think that the triple hotspot in boran was a good thing um and i don't mean because it's good that people can make money i mean oh. because it's good to concentrate player activity yeah but it just means people can go and find a triple hotspot somewhere else well they're quite rare that's the point so people can go looking for one. So I mean, it might we not exist, is the thing. We're complaining no, we about not having any gameplay. This is gameplay for the miners looking for a triple hotspots. That's so true. We don't need yeah. 400 billion star systems to explore. We just need three. One, one to mine a triple hotspot, one to, uh, and two to sell the stuff out. Yeah, I, I get, yeah, you're right. I, I, just, I mean, yeah, it's certainly an argument. I just think that um, for an MMO, which a, which a lot of casual players say is empty, um, concentrating player activity, there are worse things. There are worse things to happen. I think. Um, mm. I think it would make sense from a game design point of view to have areas of, of the galaxy where you know that should you want it, there is player interaction. Uh, apparently, um, according to whoever, um, they've already found a new one. Uh, and according to Funky Abigail, Boran's system chat is comedy gold. <laughs> um, yes, I wonder how much um, salt mining can be at, can be uh, got there. <laughs> they should definitely the devs should definitely add salt as a mineable commodity. <laughs> Not salt, sodium chloride. Yeah, fair. only if it's two million credits per ton. <laughs> <laughs> Just to generate more salt. <laughs> <laughs> what do you like doing in Elite Dangerous? Uh, I really like salt mining. <laughs> uh, no, I, 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 I think blown up players should drop it. So when you kill a player, they drop it. <laughs> <laughs> so no. be, every single destroyed player gets one ton of salt dropped. 
<laughs> they drop tears. Oh dear. <laughs> well, let's see what I've been up to for the last week or so. Well, um, can you believe it? I've actually now into my seventh, no, my eighth week of power play, and I'm still enjoying it. I don't know if there's something wrong with me or not. I think this is brilliant. I'm so pleased that you're enjoying Pavley. Yeah, I mean the um, the faction I'm with, uh, we've, we've, we were we were number one last week. We've dropped down to number two, mostly because uh, basically people didn't fortify enough. But um, yeah, got involved in a major tussle again in the usual place because we normally have um, three powers fighting over the one system to try and do, uh, try to expand into. So nobody ever gets it. Uh, but there's always a good fight. <laughs> um, and on top of that, it turned out it was a low-temperature diamonds hotspot again last week, so it was heaving uh, with people. And it, it was really nice to see tons and tons of uh, players about, even though half of them were complaining. <laughs> um Let's see what else. Yes, um, walking around Morrison's um, on Saturday, I saw someone practically wearing a World War One gas mask. That that was a bit freaky. Was he going? Where's my mummy? <laughs> oh, that would have got me running out the shop. Um, no, but yeah, it was definitely a, a World War One gas mask, and you were just there thinking, "I've I've walked into a." another world <laughs> yeah so um yes the things in the ford household has been a little bit um yes it's it's i think it's it's beginning to get to a lot of us myself included oh and uh, the other thing is that i have put the latest sanctimonious story up on the forums it's a, it's a long one it's almost 10,000 words but it, it did take me a year to write. So <laughs> I'll put a link in the show notes for that. Uh, uh, so, yes, um, that's uh, that's what we've all been doing for the last week or so. Um, now, <sighs> development news. Well, obviously, it's been the end of the first beta. Uh, it happened at 12.30 on Monday. Uh, and, of course, there was lots of thanks and things like that. Um, but one of the things that they did do is they did uh, give um, some feedback about the feedback that we've been sending them. Uh, the upshot of all this is that um, running costs, the upkeep costs have been reduced by a huge amount. Core running costs have been reduced by half. Um, we're talking about uh, the debt threshold being up to 10 weeks. So basically you can keep your carrier for 10 weeks without losing it but well actually it's 11 but you get 10 weeks before you get a final warning and you've got then a week's grace to balance the books before the carrier is taken away with from you um let's see total upfront activation costs for the more expensive services have been reduced by 35 to 45 percent uh, and one of the big things was that um, the time between jumps has been dramatically decreased, requiring only 15 minutes for jump preparation and five minutes cooldown. So that's three jumps an hour instead of one jump every three. Um, and that's basically what they've come up with for uh, 
the present beta. What they're planning to do for the next beta is that they're planning to introduce the much-requested universal cartographics module, which effectively works in a similar way to bounty, uh, bounty vouchers. You get a cut of 25%, uh, which is split 50-50 between the carrier and uh, the universal cartographic service. So basically, uh, <laughs> if you are like me who wants to use this for exploration, you only lose 12.5% because I damn well know that my exploration money is going straight back into the carrier. Um, and of course, tritium or tritium, whichever way you want to pronounce it, will be made at least, they haven't actually said this, at least two times more effective as a fuel. So that's double the jump range. Uh, and then they go on to say, thank you for taking part of the, the beta, blah, blah, blah. Look forward to seeing you all in May with the Xbox and PlayStation players. So obviously quite a lot there to, uh, to, to go through. Who would like to take on their first impression of that? Yeah, I will, if that's all right. Actually, we wouldn't have it anyway, Sean. Off you go. All right, okay. Just a few figures that uh, I worked out going through the, the list. Um, the upkeep costs, they were about $7.63 billion per year with the old costs. And now fully loaded, they are about 1.1 to about 1.3 billion per year. So that's the 85.5% uh, reduction uh, there. Mm -hmm. um, the time between jumps, um, it's a bit strange as to why it wasn't five minute preparation with a 15 minute cooldown. Because you want to skedaddle out of there. And 15 minutes is, well, you kind of hope you do more than 15 minutes worth of stuff when you arrive. So I I'm wondering if that's not because of some technical reason, like it has to look ahead to the system it's jumping, work out if there's enough space for another carrier there, and basically do BGS and um, Stellar Forge stuff before it turns there. So I'm just wondering if 15 minutes is the minimum amount of time it needs to do all those calculations. Hmm. I mean, um, I personally, I, I was hoping that, you know, 15 minutes was the time to give other commanders a chance to get off if they don't want to go to where you're going. Maybe, but I would hope you could configure that. So if you, if you want to, you can drop it down to a minute so let's say it's 20 minutes. You can allocate, do you want a 10-minute spin-up and a five-minute five cool-down? Or, you know, you've basically got 20 minutes to play with either side, and you can then set it. But who knows? Maybe maybe that will come for that. I think as far as upkeep is concerned, uh, I think as Frontier mentioned on the stream, on our interview, sorry, they didn't go to a huge amount of detail, but for whatever reason, I think the upkeep has to stay as hateful and, and as abhorrent as it is mm. because I, I think they had a choice. They could either release carriers now with all the inherent stuff that goes along with it or they could try and fix the technical issues, whether that happens in Beyond or, or thing and delay fleet carriers. So I think we are kind of stuck with upkeep. Um, 
as uh, as a mechanic for technical limitations. I, I I, I can't think of another reason why they've kept it because I, I don't think, you know, they would have put it in unless they had to. Okay. Um, and what would you like to say? So, yeah, I'm pretty much on the same page as Shan regarding the upkeep. I mean, I've said before, I, I really don't like it as a as a concept. <clears throat> I personally think it's it's kind of a negative reinforcement with a game. I much prefer a game that rewards you for wanting to play I mean, you can, you can argue the carrier's kind of a reward in itself, but you've already worked. You've butt off to get that to start with. So there is that. But I do think that Frontier probably wouldn't have put it in if they could have done it in any other way. <clears throat> so for whatever reason that is, we've, we've got it and we're likely stuck with it. So at the end of the day, I think the minimum that they can drop that upkeep down to while still making it relevant. I mean, there's no point having upkeep if you're going to drop it down to one million credits a week but at least it's much better now than where it was far from ideal but uh, yeah generally a better thing as for the prep time Jan, I, I do think probably 15 minutes is a time to get allow people to get off the carrier or at least if they're in, in the uh, system they might want to jump with the carrier so it gives them time to uh, travel to the carrier they might be a few systems away it gives them time to get there and go wherever the carrier's going without being left behind but wouldn't wouldn't you tell them that anyway? Because otherwise, they wouldn't know. Because you've still got to program in the jump. So, wouldn't you say, "Oh, the um, the Queen Ant carrier is leaving in ten minutes. I'll kick it off then." So you could just kick it. You could just start the jump after giving. Yeah, it depends if you've got friends coming on your carrier or just random people. There might be random people in the area using it. If they're using the uh, carrier management screen or the visitors section of that, they'd get information that the carrier's about to jump. Okay, Ben? I'm just wondering if if we don't have upkeep, ha- what would you have instead as a method of controlling carrier prolification and not having carriers just like everywhere in the galaxy, um, but also... Not just having the carrier, every carrier being a clone of it sh- itself, and having everything maxed out. You know, ignoring the, ignoring the law reasons, like you know, we've got to pay these crewmen and whatever. There has to be a cost involved with having a, a fleet carrier somehow. And I'm just wondering what you think you would have instead. Can I jump in? Okay, Stuart. Uh, okay, I was phrasing that to Ant, but you can jump in as well. Oh, sorry. Okay, no, Ant, you go first, and then I'll chip in. What I have instead. Yeah. So, um, but why why do we need carriers to pay anything? I mean, there's the law reasons of argument. You've got to pay your crew or got to pay for yeah. maintenance on the ship. But my, my question would be, why why do you need anything to start with? You've already paid five million credits for the ship to start with, or five billion. But yeah. if, if they really wanted to, they could increase that. But you've already worked for the value on it. You've got to get the return return on yeah, that. Yeah, but how, you know, would that's you, financial law. how would you stop the being... Well, too many ships. Everyone having a fleet carrier, and you know, I buy a fleet carrier, I dump it in Lave, and then I bugger off and you know, never see the thing again, but it's still sitting in Lave. Yeah, so technical issues aside, obviously, without knowing how the servers work, I can only come up with random suggestions, but I think mothballing would be a great idea. Just have the carrier effectively despawn until the uh, 
Claire logs back in again. Maybe it'll take a month to do that or two months, but it just disappears and it's gone. But so you, you just automatically hide the thing if I disappear, if just, I stop playing for six months? Just hide it. In um, law of reasons, it's just jumped off to some random deep part of the star system. I mean, star systems are massive, aren't they? If it disables its beacon and just goes somewhere completely random, no one's going to see it. It's like mm. a grain of sand in an area the size of a solar system, star system. Um, okay, um, we'll bring Silverine in here now. Okay, two things. Um, so, one, I think the um, I think I, I think Ant's completely right. It does penalise players to um, to have a really expensive asset like asset like that removed from not logging in, um, and it's not peanuts either. It's it's um, it's you know, well over a billion, uh, even if um, even if it's only three months after you bought it, um, which is half of my net worth in Elite. Um, <clears throat> I'd do two things. <clears throat> I'd have, as these guys are saying, I'd have a mothball situation whereby um, if you don't log in for a while, uh, you get a little message saying uh, your carrier, after because of inactivity, your carrier was moved to X system. I'd have a system that the um, that the carrier services administration lot have um, have been given as a carrier, uh, like a carrier sort of park, I guess, like a ca- like a carrier holding area, um, and. Um, uh, and have an asset in that in that system, which is like I don't know, twenty fleet carriers, all with their lights off, just stationary in place, maybe with a bit of rigging around them for maintenance. Um, and then bingo, you've got a law reason, you've you've got a law explanation for where mothballed carriers go, um, and you've got a, a new interesting asset to go for commanders to go and look at. Um, and then that gives you uh, free reign to just hide them from the game uh, for inactivity, and players don't get penalised for taking a break for a year um the other the other thing i'd do is uh, with regard to upkeep i think i was talking to a, a, a rich player friend he's, he's rich in the game i mean and um uh, and we we're talking about the fact that elite does need late game credit sinks and yet somehow the carrier upkeep doesn't feel right just that we, we both agree that the game does need something to spend your money on when you're a when you're a um a high roller uh, but still, the carry upkeep system doesn't feel like the right solution. And we were thinking of, of ways in which the game does provide you with things to spend money on um, and, and those that feel OK. And he, he does a lot of power play. He was, a, he was a, um, one of the, one of the um, Arisa Livini Duval bigwigs um, a couple of years ago. And he used to spend billions on fortification supplies. You know, they, they, they offer oh, a, a certain yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he would he would earn billions and spend billions on fortification supplies, and that didn't bother him because it was it was an enabler to do something in the game, and and um and that irked him far less than upkeep, even though upkeep is a fraction of that cost. So we we sort of agreed that there are things that you that you don't mind spending money on, and he he said that for example, paying to fast track the carrier jumps would feel to him like a comparable expense, something that something that is not. A penalty, you know, is not just punishing you for for owning the thing. It is actually a, a convenience which makes sense for you to spend money on. And, and and he said that he personally would be much happier to have fast tracked jumps be much more expensive um, than have upkeep. And he'd probably end up spending the same amount on it and or more and be happier about it. Which I thought was interesting food for thought and worth talking to other players about to see whether they agreed. Um, and the other, and the, the final thing I wanted to add uh, is that. Um, most players are pretty comfortable with the idea of having crew members that take 5% of their earnings or whatever. Um, there isn't actually a good reason why fleet carriers don't operate similarly. People always say, oh, you know, fleet carriers have have crew and that's why there's an upkeep cost. 
Well, we're used to having crew. The difference is that they take a percentage of income, whereas carriers, it's being expressed in terms of flat cost. If, if, if the crew for carriers were paid in the same way as a percentage of income, one, you've done, you, you've achieved two things. One, you've, you've got a law reason for why you've got a carrier full of crew. And two, you've blunted the earnings of the highest earning players because you do need some way to blunt the earnings of, of carriers at the very, of players at the very, very top of the income scale. Because what gameplay purpose does it serve carrying on raking in billions and billions and billions when you run out of things to buy? Um, so, uh, so yeah, th- three three little nuggets to to think about. Well, um, well, Mac Winston has uh, him, friend of the show from the EIC. Um, he's he's replied to Ben's comment with no upkeep. He says a simple t- timer. If you don't log in for X weeks, your carriers removed from the game, and all money is returned. Um, I came up with a similar idea to Mac. Is is basically the most. The thing that seems to irk most people is the fact that um, you'll lose your carrier um, if you don't play for, say, six six months or, or in this case, 11 weeks. Um, that's it. Your carrier's gone and sows most of the money that's gone with it, according to the decommission costs. I think the decommission costs need to be like outfitting because when, um, uh, when there was a big outcry when at the very beginning, you used to swap out your modules to try out different builds, but you never got 100% of the module cost back uh, because, you know, reasons. That's what it would happen in real life. Secondhand goods is always worth less than, than pristine new ones. Um, but people realized that I'm, they were losing tons and tons of cash just swapping modules out just to try different builds. I think this is a, this kind of gameplay versus lore issue and I do feel that if you decommission your carrier, voluntary decommission your carrier, you get everything back apart from what you've spent on upkeep. Uh, and if your carrier is decommissioned, you get everything back minus the debt of what you missed. And I think that would have taken out a lot of the sting of this, oh, my carrier's gone if I don't play for quite a while. Um, Chan? Yes, is. is as people obviously seen over the last few weeks, I've been poking the mechanics of carriers quite hard. Um, and the reason I've been doing that is to try to assess myself and maybe help others trying to reach a, is it worth the money um, decision? Uh, in other words, is it value? And I've sort of come to realize that actually what's happened is when Frontier first the changes, I put the upkeep amounts in. I suspect, and it's based on a, a little nugget dropped by Frontier in the interview where they said they, ha- they have a spreadsheet and they have to make it fun. What I suspect they did is they took a spreadsheet view. They had a report of, okay, give me the 500 richest players in the game and how much they earn. And then they decided on an amount they figured that those players would use or they would you know, be able to pay. But what they didn't take into account was whether or not those players would want to spend the money and would those players feel as though they were getting something valuable for the money they were spending. Um, So if you look at value equations and stuff like that, there's a whole load of stuff about it. But by reducing the upkeep price, what what it's enabled is it's, if you like, in people's minds, it's shifting the is it worth it equation 
to a yes because you're no longer paying 7.6 billion credits a year. You're only paying 1.3 billion credits a year. Um, so looking at, looking at value, I think, is a key to understanding for yourself because the value is subjective, whether you think carriers are worth it or not. Now, in terms of the upkeep mechanic, I think if Frontier had a way of doing it other than putting upkeep in, they would have done it because it doesn't take much to realize the upkeep mechanic is toxic. So I kind of get the impression that if it was the only thing they could do for technical reasons as to make carriers work because uh, it's, it's just, I just can't see any other way of doing it other than you looking at pure numbers and you forget about uh, people's emotions, feelings and all that stuff. If it's purely a spreadsheet view, it's fine. But anyone who's played any game or thought about it would realize it's a toxic mechanic and wouldn't do it. So I think they had to do it. Is it, is it, would you consider the end result to be the toxic thing? Not the, you know, the fact that you will lose your carrier if you don't keep up payments on it. I is, think is that, I th- that both. I think it's both. I think you are uh, decommissioning is, if you like, sting in the tail. The, the, the two are related. Um, they, they need a way of, as Sue said, le- almost bringing down the high level earnings of, uh, of certain players of kind of almost bringing um, value to credits again. Because at the moment, it's a bit like the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, you know, where they decide on the lease being the main currency. You know, you have to have, you kind of have to have a value of a credit. And by having the upkeep mechanic and saying it high, they're, if you like, bringing in a, a value to credit. So that may be what they're thinking mechanically. And the decommissioning part, I, I think that's why um, they've put that in simply because mothballing won't work. It won't uh, won't enable them to avoid the technical issues they're having if they're just mothballed away somewhere. Because if you remember on the interview, Dav said, well, where would they go? And mm. so I, I don't think Dav was being obtuse or, or weird about it. I think in his head, he knows how the carriers work at a technical level so his oh where would they go means you can't just mothball them yeah i, I don't think there is a a uh, a flag in there to say right okay that one's not no longer active it's no longer visible it's either visible or it's not and it's using up resources if it's in the game so yeah i i can't see another way of doing it everyone says oh I've seen so many people suggest that a suspend button or something like that, which would temporarily remove the fleet carrier from the game. Uh, that's been asked about quite a lot, but um, I'm not quite so sure. I mean, and have you got uh, ideas about how long that would take in development time? No, I mean, obviously not, not being a coder, but I do think uh, I totally agree with Chen. That any any designer who's going to look at this is not just with Elite, but with other games out there. There's not many games that really take up keeping this sort of way. The only games I can think of are uh, Eve Online, which does it with some of the larger player-owned stations. 
but those are collectively operated. People can contribute towards the costs. So if, if the person who... It's not a case that if one person stops paying at the station, it's just going to disappear. It's, it's a collective effort to keep that going, which you know may have well been a holdover from the way fleet carriers were originally conceived. They were originally squadron carriers after all. I mean, before I did my videos yesterday, I actually took a look back to the old uh, beta feedback forums where Sandro and some of the other developers put some proposals forward for squadrons, and there were some little snippets in there about fleet carriers and how... Uh, certain squadron members would have certain roles to allow them to... Oh, uh, I remember that, whether, yes. Whether want, yeah, whether they'd want a carrier to jump, uh, an officer may be able to do that. And there was other permissions like that. So obviously, fleet carriers were originally meant to be squadron-based. So from that point of view, if you've got multiple people who can pay into the upkeep, then it becomes less of an issue. And we don't know. We don't know how much of the carriers were designed at that point before they actually delayed them. Maybe they were already half half worked on. So if, if there's something that's got to be changed, you know, the player base doesn't like upkeep, we don't know how much work they've got to put in to change that. And if it's extensive work, it's, it's possible that it would have knock-on effects elsewhere. Therefore, we know. I mean, I, I, I believe Frontier, when they say there's reasons they can't do it, I just think it would help be helpful if Frontier were a little bit more clear on why those reasons were. The thing is, I kind of leave it a little bit too vague. Yeah, but that would expose weaknesses in their engine in the game. And the foot, you yeah, don't, yeah. Frontier, the sort of company that wouldn't want to show weakness. Yeah, both from a business point of view, I guess, and as well as yeah. from a gameplay point of view. Mm. Okay, well, um, if uh, has anybody got any final points they want to, to mention about upkeep before we move on to the new things that are coming? I'll just say that um, when Dav said, where would the carriers go? I thought I, my my takeaway from that was he was talking about law. Um, Dav, Dav tends to talk about law and immersion as um, when when talking about gnarly game mechanics. And um, uh, when he said when we when we talked about upkeep and decommission, he said, "Well, the problem with that is where would they go? They're very big things." Um, I really took that to be a game immersion thing. Um, him him making an excuse, making a law excuse for something that they've just chosen not to do. I, I, I really didn't take a technical, um, I really didn't, I, I didn't get the impression that there was a technical limitation there. He might've been hiding one, but I certainly didn't get that, get the impression from him that there was one. Excellent. Okay. That's an interesting take, Sue. I mean, I, because he was talking of technical stuff at the time, maybe I didn't pick up on the, on the switch to law, but as I said, I, I still, I, well, he, about, everything he said was about. He, 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 we can go back and listen, but his wording was some, something like, "They're such big things; they don't fit in a starport. Where are you going to hide them?" Um, which really struck me as a, a law comment. Law is the wrong word, but you, you know what I mean. It's sort of immersion. So, I, since it seems upkeep is here to stay, what's people's view on the amounts? Obviously, if you could, would you? Yeah, obviously, you know, if for some people, let's. Yeah, you know, half a day's work on some people. That's several years' worth of work, billion credits. So do you think the amount is about right now, or would you rather it be cheaper, more expensive? I think it's about right for me. I, I will get one eventually when I finally earn enough money, and I, I, and I think the the upkeep is about right. I mean, the, the way to view it is it's a couple of mining trips a year to top it up. The way, the way to think of it is not, I need to go and do this every week because I don't want to play every week. I want to go for some months without playing. Um, but I don't mind the idea of doing a couple of two-hour mining trips every year. That sounds 
fine. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll own one eventually and I'll own it and it'll be fun. See, for me, as I say, I'm still trying to struggle to find the use for them outside of um, Space Station and, and whatnot. I mean, for me, it's not about the money per se. Because as I said, I've just gone and, you know, uh, the biggest waste of money in the game is crew wages, and I've gone and spent 20 billion on them. And for me, that 20 billion is worth it because of the amusement value I get thinking about it. It just puts a smile on my face. It's, it's so completely worthless and inefficient thing to do. So for me, that money was worth it. But Carrie, I'm still struggling to find the use for it. It's almost as if they've invented something without looking at the, the use it can be put for. As if you say, here's a gubbins, and we don't know whether you need a gubbins or not, but here it is anyway. It's almost like that. And yes, pe people will find a use for them, but I'm still weighing that equation up in my head. I mean, if I could use it as an angler pitch, then that for me would be worth it. You know, not not, not a little shiny light on the top that draws people in and then I jump away or do something to them. Um, then, yeah, that would be worth it for me because it, it would amuse me to be an angler fish. Colin, are you bringing anything in or have I moved off channel? <laughs> no, no, sorry. I was about to say, um, I mean, there's new crew for Shanta Torture. Surely that's a motivator. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ben, uh, did you want to mention something about Hillbilly Redneck Radio? <laughs> so just as a counterpoint, I guess, to the discussion that we've been having on why you might want fleet, why, you don't, why people don't want um, upkeep, Kaizen actually posted a, it's about a 50 minute long discussion about why he's actually in favour of upkeep over on his um, YouTube channel. So that's Elite Week for Thursday the 16th of April has 50, about 50 minutes of why why we maybe do want upkeep. Yeah. I mean, that's also included in the latest Loose, Crew, uh, Loose Screws podcast for all yeah. those of you who are uh, uh, who, who like their elite news with a bit of yank. So, <laughs> oh, they're going to be nasty to me now, aren't they? <laughs> I was going to say, you back to uh, boxer shorts now. <laughs> what? Okay, uh, yeah, I'm not yeah, seeing... Never mind. No, yeah, oh, God. Yes. Wedgies. Did, did he just... No, I'm not going to even go there. <laughs> Do Americans call wedges wedgies? I think, I think that's where it come came from. from. America. Yeah. It might have, I have no idea. <laughs> so, um, right. Moving on from the upkeep and um, obviously the decommissioning, because those are the, the big controversial points. I mean, what does everybody think about the inclusion of universal Cartier graphics? I'm in favor of that. I'll just put my hand straight up. What about everybody else? I can completely see that they... Um... Uh, some purists like Wotherspoon weren't keen, but um, I think on balance, and actually I wasn't keen to begin with, um, but I, there were some pretty persuasive arguments on the forums. Um, and actually, you know, deep space explorers do probably carry more risk than the rest of us in terms of hours of hours of play that could potentially be sunk by being blown up. Um, so I think broadly, uh, I think broadly it's a good thing on balance. Okay, well, guests first, then Ben, then Shan. So Obsidian Ant? Yeah, so um, the way I see it is that carriers really should be there to support the various types of 
gameplay. And I did, did see a very nice forum post on this. I can't remember who it was put together by, but they basically uh, listed out point by point which um, types of gameplay carriers actually support at the moment. Uh, some of them, like mining, they're good for supporting. Uh, other ones, like PvP, not quite so good for. Uh, obviously, they don't support things like uh, BGS work and power play. Not, not directly, anyway. But uh, where, where did that leave exploration? I think without universal cartographics, you're yeah. missing a big, big portion of what the carrier really offers to that type of player. Although that was somewhat mitigated by reducing the jump time down as well, the spool up time, the cool down time, because obviously a two-hour jump, not much use to it, an explorer either. So I think one or the other was a big help. The fact we're getting both, that's a really, really nice uh, improvement for what was originally proposed. So I do think basically carriers need to have that value, as what Shan discussed early on. They need to offer something to people who are not just paying the five billion up front, but also paying the upkeep. And it's, it's part of that value is how much they actually offer you in terms of your chosen gameplay style so if if there's too many restrictions you're still faced with that question what does the carrier give me and as it is i mean the the uh, universal cartographics data is slightly uh, there's a cut taken by the carrier away from the people who are submitting the data but i think that's a reasonable cut for what yeah. you get in yeah and i just think that carriers need to support as many gameplay styles as possible so universal cartographics does bring that to fleet carriers um the post i think the post that you're referring to was um by oh just let me check my announcements it was a very, I I, very long post yeah six thousand words that's almost as long as my fan fiction anyway <laughs> um it's commander hundred dot rob from the anti-xeno initiative um yes he's he's gone into it with a great deal of depth yeah, uh, very, very i mean post. it was and one thing that I should also point out is the Anti-Xeno Initiative have um, also included a, a survey, um, which uh, makes, I've, I've gone to check this survey out, it's actually, it's not biased, it's actually pretty straightforward, uh, and it's a, a survey they're trying to collate feedback for Frontier uh, into uh, of what they think about the carriers. Um, so, you know, there will be suggestions in there where you'll notice that they say, should it be cheaper? Are you happy with it? So on and so forth. Um, actually, I'll cut, cut and paste that and put that in the show notes for later. But um, it, that's worth having a look if you want to to make a contribution to their feedback. Uh, so, yes, Shan. Oh, hang on. Who did I, who did I say was next? Shan was last. <laughs> okay, Ben, you next. So, I ultimately, I think we do want fleet carrier fleet carriers to have universal cartographics, but I also feel that in many respects it's a bit of a shame, and we're maybe we're losing yet another bit of the galaxy. Um, you know, we're losing the the fact that returning back to the bubble, carrying potentially billions of data with your butt. Puckered tighter than a, I don't know, a, a virgin in Thailand or something like that. Um, <laughs> Great. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's almost a shame that we're going to be losing that. Um, 
I think it's a bit of a shame that we're going to be losing the whole, hey, I found this triple Earth-like ringed planet with a neutron star or something like that. Mm. And knowing that that's in your database and the whole, do I have it? Do I hand it in? How do I, well, how do I get my name on those planets to get that first discovered tag? That's going away as well a little bit because you're obviously you're just going to have to jump to your nearest fleet carrier, which hopefully, once everything's all set up, won't be that far away. So whilst I think it's a good thing, I do feel we're losing something as well. Well, okay. Um, sorry for jumping in here, Shan. I just wanted to say this. Uh, I, f- as someone who's wanting to take that fleet carrier out into the black uh, and do exploration, I'm. That is one of the things I don't want to do, and I I do feel that sort of, you know, what is what's the exploration percentage at the moment? It's not point not five or something like that. I think one of the reasons that that is so slow is because people have to go out and then have to come back in, and that does cause a lot of well, not incentive to go out there. I would prefer to be sort of heading out. Uh, to explore somewhere, dragging my carrier behind me, and then sort of explore a whole area, drop it off, and then jump with the carrier to a next big area to do, to do it all over again. That actually, for me personally, it does feel like it's it's valuable, and I can do that. Um, as far as first, I mean, they are going to put first discoveries and stuff in, even though you put it in for the carrier, isn't it? I think we all assume they will do. I don't think yeah. anything's actually been said. Okay. Well, like I said, sorry for buttoning in there, Shan. You you go. Yeah, no, that's not a problem. I was going to say what I like about Universal Cartographics on the carrier is the carrier owner gets twelve and a half percent of all the data, so I actually get something out of it. Um, the other update I think don't think we talked about yet is uh, the tritium now has double efficiency. At least double the f- efficiency. They haven't yes. actually said what it's going to be. Yes, although as far as I could find in beta anyway, it's still not possible to transfer tritium from your cargo hold directly into the fuel tank. No, I mean, I, I was going to, uh, we were going to touch on that a little bit uh, later on. But yeah, I know where you're coming from there. Um, you know, which I find, well, mechanically, it's it's stupid because it it means you, even if you've got twenty thousand tons of tritium in your hold, mm-hmm. you still have to go and mine it. You can't just fill your carrier up with tritium. I thought you can transfer it to your ship and then donate it from your ship. Yes, you can you, do that. Yes, you what I'm saying, if you're using it as an exploration base, yeah, you still have to go. But back if you yeah, but if you're, you're talking about using it remotely, aren't you? Yeah. Right. Okay, got you. Um, so, uh, which I find a bit, you know, mechanically it's a pain, but, you know, I'm paying this crew all this money and none of them can jump in a forklift and just kind of, you know, move it around for me. <laughs> yes. that's. Uh, so I'm that... hoping they fix that in subsequent beaters because it, it means I can't, if, let's say I, if I find somewhere new and exciting, I can't move my carrier to me to get it, I have to go back. So if, the, if I'm 
10,000 light years away from my carrier when I find something I want. If you like, bring a checkpoint to me, I have to go back and then bring it there. So, Yeah. Um, well, we were, I was going to put in a, a final section where we would all discuss um, what changes you would like to see in in uh, the next beta, but um, well, let's let's just talk about the fuel for the moment because I think um, we're all in universal agreement that universal Cartier graphics going in is a good thing. <laughs> if if you've got a contrary opinion, let me know now. Right, fair enough. And, um, yeah, the fuel. Now they've said it's at least twice as effective as a fuel, so. What does that give us? A range of 2,000 light years at the moment? It gives you a range of 1,000 light years. I thought you could store 1,000 yes, light years when I, when I When I talk about ranges, it's, it's how far I can go and come back. Because oh, right. Okay. If, so if, you, if you want to leave it there, if you want to leave it there, then yes, it's 2,000 light years. If you See, want to bring it back, it's 1,000. Yeah, you see, I'm thinking proclaimers. You're thinking coming home. <laughs> five hundred light years, five hundred light years more. Never mind. <laughs> yes. So again, the the thing about the 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 more efficient fuel, everybody everybody's in agreement with that's a good move. Yep. Yep. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 Right. Well, um, what I'd just like to touch on at the moment is that there's, there have been a few suggestions a la um, uh, Shan's uh, observation that they need to be some kind of remote uh, transfer of fuel from the cargo into the fuel tanks. Um, is there anything else which springs to mind, without being too salty, mind, um, is there anything else that springs to mind that you think is, oh, that's that would be a nice to have? So... Um, uh Who's going? It's, it's, um... <laughs> oh, I'm, out, out, out I'm going. None of you tough. I'm going first now. You've waited. Go, go for it. Go. Yeah. I can't remember. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I think one of the things that I do think that we should have gotten out of the gate is not having to buy the, um, the, not the outfitting, the, Ship storage place. Shipyard. Uh, we don't, why should we have to buy a shipyard for our fleet carrier to be a fleet carrier? That's the, the only thing, maybe not the only thing, but that's certainly a key thing that I don't agree with. I think you, know, you should at least have, a sh have, you should at least be able to store your own ships without having to buy a, a, shi a shipyard. Actually, I'll agree with that. I, th I thought originally I thought that you would be allowed four big ships, uh, eight small, uh, eight small yeah. ships, and four medium. But that went by the wayside because that was just turned out to be just the number of pads. That's that just there. the pads. That's the number of people who can use your things simultaneously. So I mean, you've got to have the the shipyard yeah. if you want it to be a fleet carrier. Yeah, it's like when is a fleet carrier not a fleet carrier? And I take it at the moment. <laughs> I'm sorry, Psycho Cow is just sending me tumbleweeds after my last joke. <laughs> sorry. Um, well, I missed that joke. What was it? Exactly. Um, the uh, the it's put me off as well. 
No, the carrier does come with the with the the trading though, doesn't it? As mandatory. Commodities market, no, I think yeah. you got to buy yeah. that as well, don't you? No, commodities market is a core service. Okay, so we got that one. Yeah, that's that's what I, I was going to say. That same point as you about the shipyard. If it was me, I'd have them swapped out. The commodities market would become optional. Yeah, and the shipyard mandatory or core. Yeah, it's, it's called a fleet carrier for fuck's sake. Yeah, so your carrier by default is a car boot sale. <laughs> yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not called true. a fleet corner shop. It's a market carrier. Yeah. <laughs> I think um, I think the the, the commodities market they sort of thought that the commodities market and the the ability for player to player trading would be such a pivotal revolutionary feature that they ought to come with standard. But I think they I think they sort of possibly overestimated the importance of player to player buying commodities and underestimated the importance of it having the flagship feature that uh, that it is that is you know the reason why it's called fleet carrier. Hmm. I think for me, there's there's the smaller issues, and then some of the slightly larger things I'd like to see. There's still okay. some of the easy, I guess, easy to fix ones. I'd assume they're easier to fix would be swapping out the uh, shipyard and making it a core service, as we're saying. Mm-hmm. Another thing that kind of baffles me a bit is they put a, a great jump animation in there for the fleet carriers when they go off and do the, you know do their thing they do their jump whether it's 500 light years or to the next system mm-hmm. over but there's you know the capital ship carrier and when you're in your ship and you're docked you activate the jump and down in your hangar bay you go into a little square room and you can't see anything you can hear it but you just you don't see anything and i think that that's really odd you can't even activate the external camera because the camera is stuck inside the hangar bay with you so that's, that's that's kind of a little thing but it's something i'd like to see why why can't you view your carrier jump in yeah actually after the fuel transfer issue that people had that was my num that was my my second big thing i really did want to see the carrier jump when i'm docked and also when it arrived yeah um because you know they, they've put s- when when capital ships jump in and jump out it is such a a jaw-dropping moment that it I think it's one of these cutscenes that it would never be wasted it's like the it's like when the the Thargoids intercept you you get a a high prediction that never gets old for me it's it's, this there's still the good old um, sort of uh, clenching whenever that happens yeah so people so people will spend five billion credits and potentially years worth of playing to get a nice cutscene there's more to it than just a cutscene. But you're not even getting that, Shan. You're getting put in a little box. You can hear the cutscene, but you can't even see it. <laughs> in response to Shan, though, I think actually, potentially, yeah, they would. Um, people value think people value different things in the game, and um, and typically, Elite can be a bit of a bit of a spreadsheet simulator. Simulator, and uh, the things that are genuinely really photogenic and thrilling, like high predictions and uh, capital ship entrances and exits, like. I do actually think that the, the the jump sequence is one of the biggest sell points for carriers, and and you might mock, but I reckon I reckon I mean that's one of the reasons I'll buy it. It's not, it's not the main one, but it's a bloody cool thing to be able to to be able to do. Oh, I, I do. I, yeah, sorry. I mean, we've had a lot of people suggest they want bridge views or external views um, of of when these things are 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 jumping, and I must admit the bridge view would be quite interesting. <laughs> just stick an anaconda bridge at the top and, and uh, see what happens. <laughs> yeah, it has to be a fixed view. That'd be 
nice enough. He could swap it up for it. A couple of the other things I'd like to see. Um, these are that's probably more of a game-changing things and not easy to implement. But I do. And as soon as I saw mention of it, I did question the use of a, a commodities market and player-to-player trading. The only real use I can think of that is transferring uh, credits from one player to another. Um, I mean, you, you can do things like setting up the carrier near a mining zone and try and purchase the ore at a lower price from players so that they sell it to you rather than jump to wherever they might be able to get a slightly better price. But even if you do that, you're going to get someone else who sees what you're doing and park next to you and they will offer a slightly better price. And then someone else is going to do it and offer a slightly better price. So I don't ultimately really see the purpose of the commodities market. What I would like to see instead would be uh, the ability to trade engineering materials on a market allow the players to set the price for that and you've got the start of a, a player economy then because I think um, the engineering materials would naturally find their own price and their own value and then an extension of that would be the ability to sell engineered modules mm. and then maybe on top of that fully engineered ships if someone wants to make a fully engineered ship for a particular type of activity why not yeah, allow them to agree. sell that yeah all, all of these could have their own prices set by the players. I think they would naturally form an economy there. And then you've got the, the full economic chain where players are going out, gathering resources, manufacturing something and selling it. Well, there's, there's, there's a thought. Um, okay, Shan. Okay, long list. Um, Unigraph card graphics, definitely. Um I think I would like to be able to, uh, first of all, buy ships and modules that I actually wanted to stock, not buy all of them. Um, so if I just wanted to sell anacondas, I could just buy anacondas. Why do I need to buy all the rest of them that I'll, I'll never sell? Um, the other thing is, I, I think as far as pl- uh, player-to-player trading, there doesn't seem to be too much profit in it on the face of it, particularly with module and ship selling. So uh, having a way of, if you like, selling your own ships, I don't know, you could have a, a, a Shan version of an Anaconda or something like that while, where I engineer it and I build it, and people just then buy the ship. So the results of my engineering and builds could then be sold at my shipyard because I think that would offer players something that is not available in-game yet. And it would actually give a real tangible version of, of having a carrier. You could sell your own ships. Builds, your builds. You like. So I, I think that would be a really good thing to do. And I think it would really... Um, it would like yeah, to essentially it, shell the equivalent of the Millennium Falcon, Shan. Which is it would. Thing. It would, yeah. Uh, so that I would like to see. Because uh, I could, I could see that being quite useful. Because if you've got tons of engineering materials, uh, other than doing modules, you'll only you only, you won't actually need, and you'll just store away. I'd rather put them in a ship and flog them. To be honest, um, so I think that would be a, a good thing to put in the in the when they go live. Um, the other thing is, I think, is um, being actually able to see your carrier. On or other people's carriers on the galaxy map. Now, I know you've got the, a toggle there where you can see carriers, but you can only see them 
if you've actually been there, they're like the um, the marketplaces and the oh, right. uh, materials traders. So you can't see if a system's got a carrier in it or not until you go to the system. And in relation to that, if, if carriers are supposed to be a vanity item, then the two things I think need to happen. You should be able to tailor the the ID number. You know, you can change the name, but you, at the moment you can't change the the ID number uh, like you can in your shit. And also, having who owns that carrier as a mouse over or a cursor over button or something like that to say that's that person's carrier. Not only would that help the vanity aspect of it, it would actually also help you find my carrier to either run away from it or block it. Yeah, totally agree. I think there are there are easy vanity wins to do to make them appealing. Mm. Um, ben, uh, are you able to um, jump in there? Oh, I'm just wondering about the vanity stuff, and mm. I hope desperately that maybe our lack of views will be rectified when and if we get space legs. Right. Could be. Um, yeah, I, I was thinking. You know what? What we really basically want is like, you know, when you're if you're on a cruise ship, mm-hmm. as you do, yeah, everybody goes off to the when the when the ship's leaving port. You know, all the everyone on the everyone goes up to the the um, the barriers on the outside of the on the uh, promenade deck and waves to, uh, to everyone who's watching people going away and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and. I almost want to be able to recreate that in Elite, as it were. So if we could all go up to the mega ships, well, the fleet carrier is equivalent of the bar in the Anaconda, and stand at the window going, "Hi, see ya," and then obviously having a lone spaceman sort of attached to a piece of strut waving back at you or something like that. That would be very cool. Mm. I mean, one of the things I was. Uh, going to observe is that I think it was the burp pit or or one of the streamers had gone round all the factories and noticed that the carriers that were being built there all looked different. So there was different designs. Yeah, and this and the devs did say in our interview that uh, they had more to announce soon when it comes to um, variants for carriers. So I think it's safe yeah. to assume we're going to get. We, we we did ask whether or not there was going to be a specific Empire one or a, a certain Federation one, or whether or not they were all going to be the Drake style one, to which they were very sort of. Um, we'll talk about that later, which I thought was quite good. Yeah, me too. Very very but keen on that. Then it goes More. back again to oh, you don't want to lose it if you've shelled out re money on it. That's true. One of the biggest limitations of it, uh, the current implementation, from my point of view, is the fact that everybody gets the same model. So if that ceases to be the case, I think it'd be really good. Okay, um, moving on. Um, Shan, you want to talk about squadron content, I believe. Yes, it was It was just a thought, really, um, because I, I know we had quite a long discussion last week around player groups and squadron content and you know, how carriers were originally meant to be for squadrons and then they weren't but it looks as though they could be and then they're not etc i'm just postulating here speculating that the bases that are rumored to come in new area could be for squadrons stroke player groups mm-hmm. because it because logically they're persistent assets in the same way as carriers are 
So therefore, if they're coming, it would it's entirely logical for them to have upkeep and decommissioning mechanics as well. And since they're bigger than carriers and more persistent, it would seem logical that bases and stuff will be for squadrons. So the squadron gameplay that people are after, I think, may well be moved into bases, not carriers. Right. I mean, I must admit, that is one little thing that I did want. I did want uh, a carrier to be power, you know, power play uh, compatible. I mean, you can get it with it being squadron compatible, as long as that squadron's assigned to a power. But um, I did, I did think that it would be nice just to allow certain power access to your carrier. Um, <laughs> I did also notice that there were quite a few people who did want... Um, uh, only people with notoriety are allowed to dock at my, my carrier. So that's a, a real griefer ship. Um, Souverine. The, um, uh, I don't think it is obvious that the carriers will be larger than, uh, sorry, that bases will be larger than carriers. I think that's really, when, 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 um, when, when Frontier have talked about the possibility of base building in the past, they've talked about, um, I think they use the word inflatable, which, um, which struck me as a bit funny when I first heard it, but actually makes perfect sense. Um, sort of inflatable habitats that you might deploy on a moon or something. I think that base building in Elite, when it comes, will actually be really quite rudimentary and will probably look a lot like the um, uh, a lot of the, the planet, the, the very very small planetary settlements with the inflatable, with the little inflated sort of um, uh, sort of half cylinder structures. Um, and um, and I, I actually think that they'll be way smaller than carriers, even even when you get uh, even as big as um, as big as you, you know when you hit the build limit. Um, I also don't think that the argument of it would make sense to make them squadron only holds water, given that if it's true for bases, it's true for carriers, and they decided against it with carriers on the argument that everybody should be able to have one, and they, and they didn't want to limit them. It does it wouldn't make sense to to for them not to have the same reasoning when it comes to bases. I mean, an interesting question is, uh, as far as squadrons' content is concerned, should members of the squadron that you're in, should they be able to make a contribution in some way to, towards the upkeep costs? I mean, um, obviously, not in a way that will transfer into uh, into the um, the owner's uh, pocket, because you can transfer money between the bank and and, and yourself at the moment. But they sort of can. Okay, in what uh, way? In, indirectly, very, very indirectly. You can ramp up the price of a certain commodity, mm -hmm. and then they can buy the commodity off you. So they're they're putting money in the coffers of the squadron. Yeah, I suppose that's one way of doing it. But I mean, it probably would be nicer to have a big donate button. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It's indirect and awkward, and. Um, uh, Basically, when when we asked, you know, is is fraud and well not fraud, but is like money laundering and and sort of a real real world market for saves and stuff, is that a worry? And, and their answer was basically, it's a perennial problem, um, and we are hyper aware of it. And um, and this is us dipping our toe into player to player commerce. I think basically they've deliberately have had it so that you can set the price of commodities within limit, so that players can. Um, uh, can transfer wealth between each other in a limited way. And I think that if anybody was to say to them, well, this is so awkward, why can't I just directly contribute? They'd say, well, that's the point. The point is to make it awkward. We actually don't want players to be able to, 
to chip in directly. That's um, you know that 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 violates too many of our internal red lines. Um, so I, I I would like it if they were. I, I still think that they would have been better as a, as a squadron asset. Having a, having a, having an earnable goodie in a in a first person game the size of a city was always going to be very very awkward. Um, and I and I still think that a better implementation would have been to have them as squadron owned assets rather than individually owned. Um, so I do think it would be better if squadrons could chip in for them. But I think the deliberate I think the, the decision not to allow it was probably very deliberate. And I'm not sure that highlighting on the forums would achieve much. I don't know. Mr. Ant. I do feel that the uh, flopping back and forth but with the carriers over the years between them being um, squadron carriers and then personal carriers has kind of left them in a weird position where they're kind of 50-50 in a way. They're not quite squadron carriers, but they don't quite make the cut fully for personal carriers. Mm. And again, it, it must come down in, internally in Frontier that they've got to fit resources onto developing these things they've got a set budget that they probably allocate towards creating these sort of things so they have to factor that in but kind of outside of that from a purely gameplay point of view i would have liked to have seen two types of carriers mm-hmm. the fully large squadron carrier with all the features and bells and whistles and then a smaller carrier just for um just for players a personal fleet carrier which just like an outpost carrier or something yeah maybe it can carry medium ships and small ships maybe not large ones but it just has a basic functionality. It's just a portable. You mean, like, just a portable. you mean like the freighter in No Man's Sky? Well, e- less use than that. Even. Less, less, less use than that, perhaps. But just, just basically, it can store your modules. It's got player inventory. It's got the ability to store your ships. And universal cartographics, perhaps, for explorers as they want to go out and some fuel storage. And that's pretty much it. Bounty, bounty handing, perhaps, for other players, but cut it somewhere around there. I mean, the actual core, the core use case for a fleet carrier is to carry your fleet, isn't it? Um, it's already quite awkward owning multiple ships in a league. Having, mm. having something that can carry them all and, and jump more than any of them individually does have a place in the game. Yeah, I mean, I think that would have solved a lot of problems. You could have had high, higher upkeep on the um, squadron carriers where players could contribute towards it and minimal, perhaps no, you know, the, the personal fleet carriers didn't even necessarily need to be persistent. If they're, if they're just for you, why do they need p- to be persistent? Yeah. I know. That solves that problem. I know. Let's have a, a big ship that costs one and a half billion credits that can store three of your own ships. And you could call it the Panther Clipper. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Problem solved. <laughs> <laughs> the Panther Clipper would arguably have, have solved the problem, actually. <laughs> maybe that's one of the uh, maybe that's one of the new designs coming out the yeah, Panther Clipper indeed. anyway um, what I was going to want to do we're going to wrap this up now um, but what I thought was with the changes that have been put in uh, I'm basically going to ask everybody whether or not it's changed your mind about getting uh, or aiming to get a fleet carrier um, so Ben nope wasn't going to get one in 2017 still not going to get one that's uh, fine. Happily going to use them, though. So yeah, that's okay. Um, Obsidian Ant. So I definitely wasn't going to get one. Mostly down to the upkeep. I think the high upkeep was absolutely shocking. There's no way that using my playstyles, I could uh, be able to afford to maintain one of them, and it, it really reduces down the value because some of the usage is also already a little bit questionable. Uh, what what does it actually bring? But I think the changes adding universal cartographics and reducing the upkeep 
puts it right on the side of where it's, it's something I would use. Mm. And I think I, I do uh, feel it would bring something to my style of gameplay. So, yeah, I'd be looking to get one. Yeah, um, I'm with you on that. I mean, uh, again, when they first announced it, I thought, oh, that's a nice to have, but I could never afford it. And I can't. And without Universal Cartier Graphics, I, I couldn't think of a use case that I want to use it for. Uh, now that that's in, I'm, I do want to take it exploring. So um, that that's what I'm aiming for. Um, Souverine? Yeah, I'll get one. Um, I, think, I think they're broadly fine. Uh, I think the... I think it's a bloody awkward thing to stick into a sim game, to be honest. Um, it'd be like it'd be like having a first-person shooter and giving the player an entire city. G- giving the it'd be like giving the player Area Seventeen in Half-Life Two. You know, how the hell do you make that meaningful um, without completely the nature of the game? Um, but given the fact that it's so awkward to implement, I think they've it's broadly okay. Um, the upkeep's fine. I can see at least four or five use cases for it um, for my playstyle. So yeah, I, I will get one eventually, but I don't grind and I don't have, I can't afford it yet. So I'll probably end up getting one in about a year or two, something like that. Well, hey, you never know. You might be more interested in a planetary base by then. That's true. Good point. Um, unless of course you need a fleet carrier to create the, the planetary base. Oh no, we've just <laughs> gone into space carrier command. Um, <laughs> Shan. <laughs> Um, before they made the change, as you've probably heard on previous shows, I was vehemently of the view that they're a complete waste of time and space. Really? Really? We never got that impression. Well, no, no, got that impression. Um, now it's moved a little bit to, I might get one for the lols. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it just, it's, it's, in my mind, it's moving to the same category as wasting all that money on crew members. I haven't got any use for it. It's completely pointless. It's just something that I would find amusing to mess with. Um, but again, there's the other, other part of me that thinks, well, is it really worth it? You know, if bases come along, and if I've gone and burdened myself with a carrier <laughs> and the bases are more fun... Then you know, so I, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still on the fence with them. I, I, I abhor the uh, upkeep mechanics and decommissioning, but as I say, I, I'm not. I don't think we'll be able to get away from that for quote technical reasons. So I don't know. I'm still, I'm still on the fence, really. Okay, so we've got three, one against, and one on the fence. Um, Cow. Yep, it's not changed my mind. It's not a part of the game I was particularly excited about or or interested in. It doesn't kind of offer me any kind of gameplay that would have me hop, skipping and jumping to get into. But they sound pretty cool. Uh, I'd like to get a wee graffiti ship and go around graffitiing people's uh, ships and, you know, writing slogans (laughs) on the sides. But, you know, when, when they were talking about these ships originally and they were talking about them not being able to dock and things like that and they would require the likes of tugs. I got more mm-hmm. excited at the prospect of flying a tug than the big ships. Because <laughs> you basically wanted to push it into the station. Well, it's just, I, I like that kind, you know, like for, I've been playing Farming Simulator 19 and really enjoying the sort of mundane tasks and the repetitive nature of doing that kind of job. And that's what I've always been looking for in the Elite game. 
the you know there isn't those kind of um, X-wing and Tie fighter missions of going round the nav points, scanning ships for contraband uh, as a part of a job or a mission. We don't get that mm-hmm. in the game, and I think it's one of the things that's missing. But I would just spend all day patrolling and taking on those kind of jobs. I want my I want my bus routes. I want my taxis. So this doesn't <laughs> quite tick those boxes for me. However, surprisingly, the sort of mention of ground bases. Yeah, that's got a bit more intrigue for me, so I think I'll wait and see how these progress. Obviously, there's an awful lot they can build on them going forward with a bit of luck. Let's mm. wait and see. If Cal says that, I immediately think, oh, great, I'd love to have a tug as well, because I would tug the carrier right in front of the docking slot and just leave it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, so at the moment, it's it's kind of three to two and a half. <laughs> <laughs> so what we're going to do is we'll take a break uh, and then we'll come back with um, a whole load of um, social news and what's been going on in the galaxy in the meantime. Hey, buddy, why the long face? Exploring is boring. What? What makes you say so? Because I have to scoop for fuel at every single store. And then the voices I hear in the store tell me to... Whoa, sounds like you've got a case of space madness. What you really need is really big gas tank. What? With a really big gas tank, you'll be sailing the Milky Way in style and comfort. No more hanging out at every stupid store just to refuel. It's as easy as honk and go. Gotta get to Beagle Point for a romantic interlude? Just honk and go. Want to be the buckiest ball in the galaxy? Just honk and go. And if you fill your really big gas tank with patented Jumbonium 5000, you can honk and go, go, go. Gee, thanks, master. No, thank you. Really big gas tank. Because why wait when you can honk and go? Jumbonium 5000 has been known to cause extra arm growth, outdoor mayonnaise, pipism, and spontaneous stargold face. Use only as directed. Eddie Lee Wise here. Our family-run business looks after all your sartorial needs. Whether you need something to turn your pink python purple, or you want to wrap your buns up in a nice tight flight suit, Millsburn Ken can sort you right out. He's an expert at inside leg, and my wife Barb's is a whiz with a sewing machine. Bespoke tarting for you and your ship. Visit Eddie and Sons. Plus me daughters at Lave Station. Right, sir. Cough, please. <coughs> and welcome back. Um, at this point, we will uh, wish Obsidian Ant good night because uh, obviously it's quite late and he, he needs his, his beauty sleep. So um... needs a lot of bed. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll say good uh, good night to Obsidian Ant, and of course, um, uh, as probably the premier YouTube elite dangerous streamer, then I don't, I don't even know whether or not you'll need a, a, a plug, but if you've never heard of Obsidian Ant, please check out his uh, his YouTube channel with many videos a week. Yeah, so, and thanks for having me here. It's been a pleasure as always. Excellent. Always glad to have you on. Thank you. Okay, I'll see you soon. Okay. Catch you soon. Take care, Ant. Later. Bye. And as the ant scurries off back to his nest, uh, we will quickly go over some of the things that... Not back to his queen. 
Yeah, I suppose. Does that make Anne a sexless drone, then? Some people would probably say yes to that. Obviously, we wouldn't be one of them, but some people might. (laughs) He's gone for less than than how many seconds, and you're already slagging him Oh, come on, we're insulting him to his face, too. (laughs) Well... Um, Marcus is lovely. Mark- I love Marcus. He's awesome. <laughs> Sorry, Ant is awesome. Yes. He just doxed him. Uh, he's doxed himself. <laughs> yeah, fair. Um, well, in, in the in-game events, I'm afraid to say there's not much happening with the um, the Thargoids uh, at the moment. There's, they're still happily trying to shoot you down at the in the Pleiades and in the Witchhead. Um, Operation IDA or Operation Ida, uh, they presently are presently are repairing the Gudian Enterprise station in HIP uh, nine five nine nine. So um, a lot of stuff there to uh to shift at the moment although if they do get a fleet if they do get a fleet carrier that'll make things a lot easier for them um so moving on to the community news um we have something mentioned about a deep space support array um who can tell me about that uh, I, I, I'm vaguely aware of what's going on. I can, um, I can probably pick that up. Um, so the deep space su- is it support array? Yes. So it's a uh, venture from the Fleetcom guys, um, the the Fleetcom admins, um, and the intention is to put a fleet carrier in, or at least one fleet carrier in every single sec- um, sector of the galaxy. Um, the sectors as to, um, laid out in the codex. Um, the um, they will offer refuel repair rearm um, at the absolute base price. There won't be any won't be any markups on those particular services for um, uh, commanders using them. And I assume that they all have um, they'll all have uh, what they're called uh, universal cartographics. Um, some bits of the galaxy will have more than one um, because I don't know they're very large or very dangerous or something. Um, and um, uh, so yeah, it will it will completely revolutionise um, uh, exploration and make uh, being out there in the black much much ne- less of a um, of an existential risk. I think part of the reason why they're thinking of having more than one in some places is that some sectors of the galaxy are a little bit fatter than others, so they might have some in the galactic plane, others above and others below. Yeah, 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 that's it. Right. So basically, there's, you're saying there's no point in me taking my carrier out there because someone will already have one nearby. <laughs> well, they're aimed for people who don't have carriers. Um, at the moment, the at the moment you uh, you're at the, the you're in the lap of the gods, unless um, I mean you're not. You're in the lap of being an idiot and crashing into a star. Um, unless well, that you, could be God. Um, that's true. Yep. Uh, okay. And and, uh, and and you know until you get back to a um, back to a, a explorer's anchorage or um, or colonia or something. Um, this is the the aim with this. I, I assume is to um, to make it to make to to massively reduce that uh, that risk, make exploration less daunting for the uninitiated, um, and make it um, make it far easier to do things like repair uh, damage caused by prangs on planets and things like that. Right, so um, I mean, I mean, this is just basically if this is the equivalent of the carrier fuel rats, then isn't it? Sort of. It's a... Well, it's not. It's not a. It's not a rescue service. They're just going to park them. They're basically pit stops. They're sticking pit stops 
the, the, you know, the intention is that they want to find as as many very wealthy carrot uh, players. It's just like need to carry green it. surfaces. Yeah, basically. Yeah, the, yeah. The, I mean, yeah. So SS could stand for service station, deep service station array. Um, they are basically. Yeah, they're, they're basically little chefs dotted around the galaxy that you can drop into. Uh, so we should call them the little chef fleet then. Yeah. Um, yeah, the the next thing we have on our list, I guess, Suverine, you're the expert on this one. Um, there is a new Sagittarius Eye-related magazine. Yes, yeah, yeah, so I'll pick this one up as well. So uh, back in earlier this year, in January or February, I can't remember, um, a, uh, the, the lead designer of Sagittarius Eye and I, um, we were talking about Star Citizen and... Um, we noticed that um, uh, it's uh, it's a funny year for Star Citizen. A few things are happening, um, and one of them is that um, they have ceased wiping progress between game updates. Um, if you if you if you follow that game, what most people have been doing is is dropping into every point update, seeing what's new, going, "Ooh, ah, oh, it's still buggy. Oh, it's still not a game. Okay, I'll go play Elite." Um, and um, uh, and now that they've stopped wiping your progress between game updates, um, it means that the Star Citizen has started to feel a lot less like a demonstration and a lot more like a game. Um, and um, you can, you know, if you earn if you earn money uh, one month, you can fairly reliably um, uh, sort of assume that it'll still be there um, after the next point update, um, which is which is quite an exciting time for Star Citizen. And um, and I presume that most people who who listen in are are, are at least casually interested in in that game um, because it'd be pretty odd if you interested in elite without being interested in star citizen um but um so we were talking about it and, and saying that it's you know such such amazing scope such a, an exciting project um and there doesn't exist anything like sagittarius eye for um star citizen there is a um uh, a cig released uh, in universe no sorry uh, out of universe uh, magazine um that covers dev news and stuff but that's actually completely different to in universe stuff um and with the with the advent of um of holding um of, of persistent player progress we thought do you know what the time's probably right to to do something about that so um we assembled a little team um of um uh a few uh, sagittarius i uh people um the team is very very small um it's sagittarius is, is a huge operation with with 70 or 80 um people um involved whereas um uh, whereas cosmonaut is is fewer than 10 i think i think we're about seven or eight people um and um and we even tapped up some new people as well so um so we um uh, tapped up some some really talented writers in the star citizen community and said hey we're doing this do you fancy getting on board um and we've been beavering away for a few months um and uh, and on the 12th of april the uh, the anniversary of yuri gagarin's first trip into space we um uh we released issue one uh and um and cosmonaut is a it's slightly different to sagittarius i uh it's landscape rather than portrait because um it's a um the aim is for it to be a sort of an art mag rather than um sort of news magazine um we cover uh all everything related to being a pilot in the star citizen universe so uh travel guides um uh outfitting ship reviews uh current affairs org interviews um, tips, uh, every, every, all, everything that would affect uh, a uh, an interstellar pilot. 
and um uh, for our first issue we covered um we covered the upcoming um election for um imperator in uh which is happening in the star citizen universe this year um which is a once every decade event we are covering uh, we reviewed the anvil karak which is the most ex- uh, exciting big ship to have well, actually one of the most exciting ships uh, that that has ever been released for star citizen star citizen actually um which uh, edelweiss and i uh, got a look into the other day um, we reviewed the 890 jump, which actually Ben and I also um, explored the other day. And um, as well as that, we uh, we we wrote up uh, an event that the Daymar Rally guys held earlier this year, um, which was absolutely brilliant. Um, and and actually, the Daymar Rally is a really good example of why Star Citizen is starting to look really really exciting. Um, so uh, so it's absolutely free. Um, it's uh, it's downloadable from uh, www cosmonautmagazine.com um and i'll i'll get the the link so that somebody can drop it into the show notes um or the chat or whatever um it's uh, it, it's released in the middle of every month uh, issue two will be released on the 16th of may um we've got really really lovely feedback from um from loads of people a um, couple of streamers cig um made us their uh, their MVP of the week, which I, don't, I can't remember what it stands for, but they're sort of featured content creator of the week, um, and tweeted uh, tweeted out uh, the link to issue one today, um, which is lovely of them. Um, so it's it's really exciting. Um, so if you have been casually watching Star Citizen um, and want to be vaguely up on what's going on, um, it uh, it might be a nice way to um, to stay up to date on that game. Hope you like it. Excellent. Um... Right. Well, that brings us to the end of the community section. Um, we do have one question. The community question this week is uh, basically using the the present proposed mechanics for fleet carriers. What scenarios would you think a fleet carrier could be used for? And um, we look forward to hearing some um, interesting ideas. I'd use a fleet carrier to wipe me arse. Well, that just goes to show how big your arse is then, doesn't it? It's as big as Uranus. <laughs> Which is full of methane gas. It is full of methane gas. <laughs> uh, dear. Anyway. Oh, yeah. I've mentioned this before, haven't I? That, that um, in Mass Effect 2, if you fly the Normandy to the Sol system and launch probes into Uranus, you have Trisha Halfa saying, okay, here we go, probing Uranus. <laughs> I think Ben would pay good money to hear that from Trisha Halfa. Doesn't she, doesn't she like, like, seriously, Commander? <laughs> seriously? <laughs> Is that Mass Effect 2? Yeah. Nice. That's on my uh, to playlist. I've never actually heard it. <laughs> Purely because you want to pl- probe Uranus. I do now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. Anyway, um, we're going to give a shout out. Well, before, yeah, shout outs first. Um, first of all, our sister station, Hutton Orbital Radio, they broadcast on a Thursday at uh, 8.30 um, in the evening. Uh, you can tune in at tv.forthemug.com or just the audio at radio.forthemug.com. For the discerning commander, the likes of it of CQC action, check out the CQC, CQC Discord at discord.me slash elite dangerous CQC. Notice that there's been a lot more activity there since the beta um, had the queue uh, appear in it. It seems like people are, are trying to um, 
get their their uh, rank up. It's it's quite it's quite interesting the activity. Um, I'm assuming, of course, that we will uh, have a uh, Galnet news bulletin from Commander Witherspoon after the show. I'm hoping so because they're always good. Excellent. Um, so we'd like to thank all those who have chipped in in the Twitch chat and. Uh, Ben, have you had any in-game commanders fly around you and you make a ship? No, I, I've been all by myself. Oh. So, um, any other business from you all? I was going to ask, well, one thing I was going to ask mm-hmm. is, does anybody else not think that fleet carriers and this update are a... Frontier dipping their toe in the water for 2020. I don't see in what way. I don't, I don't understand. People have said like, oh, you know, this is um, uh, this is sort of just setting the stage for base building. I, I really don't understand. But why? They're they're space stations that you can move a bit. I don't, I don't, I don't understand. Assets, I can't see. There are assets in the game which are permanent, configured by by us, which can have things in them to, and which we can do stuff to. So they have to yeah, assets. You mean? Yeah, yeah, it could, could but be. There's the stuff that they have. There's groundwork that they have to figure out, and there are opinions that they have to canvas. Maybe I, I, I think that base building would be putting set, allowing players to set up small bases would actually be less less disruptive than socking great mega ships for everybody. Um, so um, I'm I, I, looking for depends yeah, what they're going to. I mean, if they're going to be, if we can set up Dav's Hope, for example. Yeah, I mean, it all depends on what difference is the um, is setting up a base going to be. Is it going to be like a fleet carrier that can't move? Because that yeah. to me doesn't sound that great. There's got to be something else to it. Imagine you, you were able to have the equivalent almost of say Factoria and a turret defense game in there though as well. Well, maybe yep, you could that's, get that's more something. to fleet carriers. What it would allow you to to tour the planet. <laughs> No, what I was actually thinking about is you know how uh, player factions have, if you like, adopted planetary systems? Yes. Uh, whether they're in game or not. Having a base on there for your squadron through mm-hmm. player group would allow you to claim a system Properly. by having a base on it. Yeah. I see, that's one thing that I do think Fleet Carries has given me is uh, some, something that I can call home. At the moment, most of my ships are in, in the Merope system uh, and one of the planetary bases there. And that's what I've called my home system. But it doesn't really belong to me. It's just somewhere where I've stored my stuff. You could look at it this way, that the fleet carries some kind of player housing. <laughs> well, to be honest, see if they start doing the likes of uh, colonization um, mm-hmm. And going to all the Earth-like planets that we've scanned, and and then Fecold happens to, um, that would be a huge step forward. That would be an amazing mm-hmm. development where you could then get the resources in your fleet carrier, head out, do the work in that system, creating a community goal or something or other, some kind of process by which there's money to be made, and you can put up that for the resources or ship them yourself or mine or whatever they need um, mm-hmm. and then you suddenly have more systems being created and taking over obviously not in a simplistic way that requires you know a bit of time and effort and a lot of gameplay um, that would not be horrific that would be something quite exciting 
Yeah, I mean, um, I don't know if anybody of you has anybody played Planet Side, the, the game which you set up a. Yeah, I've played it a wee bit. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've really enjoyed that, and I thought of sort of this being a bolt-on to Elite Dangerous, where you know you're you're building up your your base, but using your game time to do it. And I I felt that would be a obviously a a good use of um, a good expansion. Um, but I think we're going to have to draw a line under there because otherwise we could carry on for a brand new show about planetary bases and things like that. And I think we should store it for uh, for a later uh, later edition. Um, I have one piece of other business, which is um, Chris Jarvis, that bloke that does Escape Velocity. Um, he's now completed his uh, free audio book of Arthur, Dunan, Arthur Conan Doyle's Lost World. I think it's in six episodes, which um, you'll, you'll be able to find at the radio workshop. Uh, we'll include a link in the show notes. Um, but that's it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email info at laveradio.com. Hit us up at facebook.com slash laveradio. Tweet us at, at laveradio, or one word. Or you can join our Discord server by going to discord.io slash laveradio. We also have a TeamSpeak server where commanders come to hang out and chat. And you can find that at teamspeak.laveradio.com. Word of warning, it is shared with the truckers, so... Um, yeah. Uh, do get in touch if you have any questions or if there's anything you'd like us to discuss in a future episode. Live Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at uh, half past eight uh, British summertime and streamed out at laveradio.com slash live. So thanks to obviously Obsidian Ant, thanks to Silverine, thanks to PsychoCal for doing the, uh, the tech as well. Thanks to Ben, thanks to Shan and... Uh, I think I've, I've covered everybody there. Have I missed anyone out? And? I know. And was first. Did you say Grant? Yes, I think him. I did say Grant. I, th- I think I think the uh, the senior. Thanks to you, Colin. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Colin. Thank you. Thank. You. Hang on a second. You lot are being nice. What's what's happened? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your amazing puns. <laughs> oh God! Uh, I'm not going to travel 500 light years for that. <laughs> oh dear, rest in peace. Anyway, until next time, commanders, fly. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous.
Ah, oh, damn it. No worries, guys. Hold the fort for two seconds. I'll be right back. Galnet News Digest, 21st of April, 3306. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, back to the drawing board. The Colonia Conveyor. The Quietest Galaxy. Back to the drawing board. The first pre-release test drive for fleet carriers has come to an end. The manufacturer, Brewer Corporation, has collected in the customer survey forms and is collating customer opinions to see what changes should be incorporated prior to the second test drive next month and the actual release in June. A number of changes have been requested by eager customers and Brewer has already identified a few changes for inclusion. Most importantly for explorers, Brewer is planning to include an optional universal cartographics module, which will not only allow explorers to sell data at Beagle Point or wherever else they can find a fleet carrier, but it will contribute to the upkeep of the fleet carrier, with 12.5% of the value of the exploration data going straight into the carrier's bank. Another 12.5% will be retained by universal cartographics as a transaction fee. The other changes will be primarily adjustments to the pricing schedule and some tweaks to the efficiency of the engines and the spin-up and cool-down sequences that should make it possible for carriers to cover up to 1,500 light-years per hour. Other customer suggestions, such as the ability to transfer tritium fuel from cargo into the fuel tanks remotely and without having to load it into a docked ship as an intermediate step, and the ability to store rare goods in the carrier, remain under consideration. The second test drive period will allow more commanders to take part, but the Brewer Corporation stresses that fleet carriers are not for everyone. If you don't have at least 7 billion credits in your bank account, you really ought to consider making friends with someone who likes mining better than you. The Colonia Conveyor Following an off-the-cuff remark on a Holovid show, a new method of getting quickly to Colonia is reported to be under development. More of a proof of concept than a practical idea, down-to-earth astronomy suggested that it might be possible to have 52 fleet carriers strung out in a line between Sol and Colonia, each one scheduled to jump to the position of the next in line a couple of minutes after the previous one has jumped in and arrived alongside. Any ships that got on the first fleet carrier in Sol would simply need to hop off the first one and on to the next, 52 times, and then they could travel the whole 26,000 light-years without having to make a single FSD jump. An E-rated Sidewinder without a fuel scoop could travel to Colonia in an afternoon. A certain amount of organisation 
and 52 wealthy benefactors would be needed to make this project fly. But with a little planning from someone like Alec, crazy driver, Turner, it might just work. The Quietest Galaxy It is now 99 days since the most recent report on the Galactic News Service, Galnet. There are no mysteries remaining in the galaxy. Canon Interstellar has nothing to do. The Anti-Xeno Initiative takes occasional pot shots at Thargoids to keep their hand in, but the Thargoids are no longer a threat. Tharg the Mighty is rumoured to be self-isolating. Operation Ida continues the long, slow, unrewarding process of repairing damaged stations. Following chaotic scenes of overcrowding at Beagle Point last year, the Distant Worlds 3 expedition remains no more than a theoretical possibility. Prime Minister Mahan is in the last year of his six-year term as Prime Minister, but there's been no campaigning for a successor. Zachary Hudson, who took over from Jasmina Halsey mid-term, has been federal president for more than four years without being subjected to the customary mid-term vote of no confidence. The prismatic princess, Ashling Duval, has managed to avoid any form of indiscretion for nearly nine months. Arissa Lavinia Duval's position as emperor is effectively uncontested. The galactic economy has remained remarkably stable. Pilots Federation members have been able to acquire vast hordes of credits due to the lemming-like compulsion of starports to buy vastly more supplies than they need. For Universal Cartographics to pay unfeasibly large sums for information about water worlds tucked away inaccessibly at the very far end of the galaxy, and, despite some recent changes, for mining to be a license to print unlimited credits. Piracy still doesn't pay, but then, with credits so easy to come by, who needs piracy? Despite the terrible events of the Scourge in October 3305, food supplies remain reliable. The galaxy is in a state of comfortable, complacent stasis. And yet, we know that soon there will be something new. The long-awaited fleet carriers from Brewer Corporation, the company that brought you the Coriolis Starport, the safer way to trade, are undergoing proving trials. They bring with them the promise of voyages to previously inaccessible star systems, the opportunity to transport vast quantities of commodities across the bubble in a single jump, to provide mining support and to be a forward base of operations. In about 60 days, only two-thirds the time there hasn't been Galnet, we'll find out for real. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to. 